When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we learned what unites Americans this week. What's that, Ben? We protest. <laughs> or Americans riot, protest. depending on your perspective. Yep. So yeah, I think uh, I when it popped up on my Apple phone, I was like, oh, this is a non-news thing. I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast. And then it grew to every major news station and every social media post I saw. So I feel like we should dive in. Sure. What do you, what, what do you have to say or share? Well, most of my things actually are going to be more that this has triggered philosophical questions in me. The Mm -hmm. one thing I will say is if Trump genuinely doesn't believe this election was stolen, then he has handled this like a bit of a dick. Because I feel like (laughs) Like a bit of a dick. This is completely predictable. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think uh, when he reminds me of Storm something from the the boys stormfront yeah when she says you have fans i have an army Mm -hmm. he should know that right Mm -hmm. and so when he spends weeks saying the election was stolen we need to stop it stop the steal yeah this is a very obvious outcome to that so either trump genuinely believes that the election was stolen democracy is at stake the powers that be and this action is are controlling who becomes president right facebook and youtube control who becomes president which would be awful would be the death of democracy in which case he's doing the right thing, or he has very little evidence for that, can't handle the fact that he lost, his ego can't allow him to accept it, mm-hmm. and this is an obvious outcome of telling your diehard fans that you won and everybody is fucking democracy. Well, sorry, so I think included in that, just to be clear, it's not, he doesn't need to be a, uh, a mastermind. He can be just like everyone else with uh, cognitive dissonance occurring in his brain where he goes... I definitely won and then he's shown evidence because that doesn't make sense to me. So like all of his thoughts are like, no, it was definitely stolen, mm-hmm. but it's not borne out by evidence that he would ad- accept to be true. So it's n- it doesn't require a nefarious megalomaniac J- Mr. No, Burns no, type but character. It would, just, it would require an extreme narcissism, which starts with there's no chance I lost. Dude, I ran for office sure, sure. in high school. I had a decent sized ego. I lost. I just assumed that I lost. You mm-hmm. know, I, mean, I think most presidents when they lose the election... They just assume that they were outvoted, even mm-hmm. though these are some of the largest egos in the world, presidential mm-hmm. candidates. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it could just be his extreme next level narcissism can't allow him to fathom that he lost. But. Or, and I say this again, I, I hate to be in this position of defending anyone, uh, a completely different fact set. Than yes, you. or that's what I'm saying. Or a completely he thinks, different Or he set. thinks that he genuinely lost. But I'm saying he has, <clears throat> he has access to the lawyers that are gathering the data. Yep. He can audit the trials. I don't like here's the truth. I don't think there was election fraud, but I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I just assume there was as much election fraud as there is every year, which mm-hmm. is some, but not enough to sway the mm-hmm. presidency. With the one exception being Bush Gore, 
maybe there actually was the, the same normal amount of fraud, but it turned the tide. But it was only 500 votes, yeah. <clears throat> but it just came down to the wire. But what I'm saying is that he has more access to the evidence than anyone in the country, you would assume. You know yeah. what I mean? Because he's getting access to all the local governors. And he cares. And he's, and yeah. he's, he's hyper involved. So, yeah. yeah, if he doesn't. So, yes, there's a chance he has evidence that I don't have. And I don't think there's fraud. And he does. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that's not true. I'm saying if that's not true, then this falls at his feet because it's exactly what you would expect to happen if you tell diehard people who believe everything you say that democracy is rigged, this was stolen. And if I don't become a second term president, it's the death of democracy yeah. and we are fascist yes. now. Yes, that is a predictable outcome. I totally agree. Yeah, totally. Agree. I think everyone who thinks that that's true would storm Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. So the question you just saw who thinks that's really in their bones yeah. true. Well, and this is uh, I don't want to jump too quickly, but my my impression of all of this is that people are like, you know, it's a riot and it's bad. And, you know, of course, several months ago, we had, you know, protests slash riots and, and there was people seem to have oh, switched opinions. <laughs> I, one of the things I want to talk about, which we can talk about now, is the, the incredible hypocrisy of everyone. Well, you know, I was trying to get it together and I actually I think it's the people are not articulating their views correctly. Um, I think if you got people down, you sat them. Everyone would say there's space for violent rioting. Like, imagine Vladimir Putin wins by 99%. Mm -hmm. It's probably appropriate to storm the Capitol yeah, yeah. under those circumstances. And like, and imagine a world where black people are being hunted in the streets by police officers or SS officers. No, there's like, something, there's, it's probably reasonable to smash whatever is in, like, to get attention. There's a cause that would lead you to, to violently protest. Exactly. If you told me, if you guarantee me that the incumbent president, I just know this because I'm schizophrenic and I have a message from on high, mm -hmm. like like uh, I am Sam, you know what I mean? It says, hey, if mm -hmm. Biden gets elected, he is going to murder and torture everyone you love and then millions of other people. And this is 100% positive. It's like, okay, if I'm 100% positive because I'm schizophrenic and I think that an omniscient deity told me this, mm -hmm. you're going to see me in Washington trying to stop Biden from being president. You know what yes. I mean? So yes. I think everyone has the thing that would make them break the law. And and we can all agree that that would be appropriate under certain circumstances. So where people are like, that you shouldn't do this. This is the death of democracy. It's not that the act in and of itself is a problem. It's yes. that what is what it's your underlying assumption about whether there was fraud or not. Like if the election was truly stolen and, and, and for some people, this is going to be an impossible thought experiment, but just to play around, like pretend it's Russia, pretend like yeah. Yeah, there's all this crazy crap happening. Uh, this was a measured response to to somebody no, stealing the I, reins of government. Well, that's why I think there's two different categories. Which, which to be people. clear, I'm not saying no, is no. The case. But I think that's why there's two different categories of people to talk about. Well, there's three yeah. different categories of people to talk about. People that showed up for the protest and didn't break the law. Mm -hmm. People who showed up for the protest and did break the law, and Trump. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that in the same way that BLM, the message the movement and the organization should be viewed differently. Those can be viewed differently. So like if you show up and you don't break any laws, I think everyone agrees that's fine. Even if they don't agree with your cause, even if they don't think there's election fraud, you have the right to gather with signs, right? Mm -hmm. Then the people we're talking about is people who genuinely think that this atrocity is occurring, whether that atrocity is people being mowed down in the street for no reason uh, by police or elections being stolen. Mm -hmm. And then they commit violence in a for a reason that they think is super justified, right? Or they break the law for a reason that they think is obviously justified. Yeah. The question is, what do you do with them? 
And you should have a policy that is true for people that you <laughs> agree with and don't agree with because yeah, yeah. we don't actually know. Uh, and then the third thing is Trump, who has, in my opinion, the greatest access to the information, is the most likely person to know if there was fraud or not and may or may not be acting uh, in good faith. In good faith. Correct. And so I think that you can you can say the legal people are good, the illegal people are bad, and Trump is bad. You can say the legal people are good, the illegal people are, are actually understandable given their facts set, and Trump is bad. You can say all three are good, but I don't think you have to assess sure. them together. Well, I, I think with regard to all of them, it's it's with reference to the truth. Mm -hmm. Like that is ultimately what matters. So when I hear people saying it's never appropriate to do this or it's sometimes appropriate or what about COVID, like there's a time and there's there's an event that could occur where during a global pandemic and many people felt this was the case with George Floyd, where pandemic be damned, mm -hmm. this is more important and we have to do it. So I guess where I come back to it's like all of these people, if they had the same belief about what happened what is happening in the world with regards to police or what is happening in the world yeah, with yeah. regards to the election would all have like the same decision-making processes occurring. Well, <laughs> they would be like, let's maybe, stay home or go outside or whatever. We, we, well, this is another thing I want to talk about uh, later, but uh, depending on how much, what percentage of the population you think are neo-Nazis, those people would not sure. do anything sure. if black people were being shot in the street. They would go, this is cool by yes. me. This is what I wish the police would do. Yes, and there's uh, similarly, there's a fringe side of... Uh, people who want Joe Biden to win who wouldn't care if the election yes. was absolutely stolen. Yes, that's fair. There's people who go Trump so bad that even if this was stolen, yep. I don't mind that we're leaning towards authoritarian fascism yeah, yeah. because it's for the greater good. Biden being president is more important than a high integrity. So, and again, I don't think that. Yeah. I think the election played out like the election plays out every four years. But so, so I yes, guess what I'm saying is that both sides who don't our, our values align more than it appears is what I'm saying. Yes. And our understandings of the universe couldn't be more different on either side. That's yeah. that's no, no. what I'm seeing. That I totally agree with. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's completely true. You hook people up to lie detectors. Some clearly think it's obvious that uh, police shooting victims are uh, representative of extreme bias and others think it's representative of who commits crime. And you hook them up and you say, this is obviously election fraud. And people say this is yep. a baseless claim for election fraud. And they would all pass mm -hmm. the lie detector. Like they just are certain in their bones. And then the question is, how do you know the things that you know? And this yep. is where we get back to the news thing, which is, oh man, it's a very tenuous connection like to to what happened in Washington, D.C. yesterday as I sit here in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where, I, I mean, th that was my, my big takeaway. And I was, I don't want to jump off it. We should definitely come back. But I was thinking about it with regards to censorship on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Because- depending on who's being censored, you see the same uh, type of thing at play, which is two thumbs up. We love we love this. We need a safe place. Or, oh my gosh, this is the death of freedom of speech. Well, this and was the danger with President Obama's executive orders. Mm -hmm. Was when, they, when he was struggling to get through to a Senate and a Congress that weren't allowing him to do what he wanted to do. So he, more than any president, I believe prior to him, leaned on the executive order. Mm -hmm. And Democrats loved it because it let him further his agenda. But I think, and this is something I want to circle back to, with the golden rule, you have to expect that when positions are reversed and a Republican's in there, he's going to do the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. And then when that did happen, the same people were appalled at Trump's use of executive orders. And now Biden is going to use executive orders and those same people will be thrilled. And, mm -hmm. and we just need a we need to have an idea of the rule for when our guy wins and when our guy loses. And it should, needs to be the same rule. Yes. And what's happening, and you, you see this with these protests, all of a sudden, uh, these people are domestic terrorists. 
and anyone who breaks into federal ground should go to jail. I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah. But I do remember the Seattle Capitol Hill was <laughs> held by Chaz for yeah, yeah. a number of days, weeks. I don't know. So are all those people domestic terrorists and should they all go to jail? I don't think no. I just think if your answer is yes, that the people committing crimes on federal property yesterday should go to jail, then they should go to jail. And so should all those people that were doing it in Chaz. So just have a rule and then apply it to everyone without knowing if they're on your side or not. Well, I think here's the problem. Uh, the rule is based in context. There are times, as we previously discussed, where smashing open a federal mm -hmm. building, storming it is totally appropriate. And there are times when it is not. Yes, but what I see specifically is that they're trying to lean on the law of the US. They're yes. trying to say these people are domestic terrorists. And Trump even signed an executive order saying that people who uh, do damage to federal property should get 10 years in prison. Mm -hmm. And that was passed in July and Republicans were all for it. Yeah. Okay, well, by your definition, yeah, all these people doing damage to federal property should go to jail for 10 years because that's what you were lobbying for in July. If you mm -hmm. want a more nuanced view where you say, first, we, Make have, a to, more nuanced first, view. we <laughs> have to assess what the truth is mm -hmm. before we can dole out penalties, that's great. But then you either they're automatically both domestic terrorist mm -hmm. acts when you break that law or... They aren't, and we have to look on a case-by-case -case basis to what damage was done and for what cause. Yeah. But I just don't see that. And honestly, because listen to it, it's so hard to digest. It's not sexy. It doesn't fit in an Instagram story. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of people all of a sudden, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. <laughs> not not when you steal a dais from yeah, yeah. a Capitol building. You know, yeah. I didn't see anyone saying, oh, that guy should be shot to or death. You, or you didn't see the same people who you would expect. Yes. Based so that's, on a, that's, a, that's what the number, that's one of the things I saw immediately was we were all flip-flopping our positions depending mm -hmm. on who's well, doing the same so things. I think what's happening is that people are pretending to have principles yes. when in fact what they have is a worldview understanding and they're not articulating their principles accurately, which is- Well, do you want better? They have a principle. It's when your cause is just- you're exempt. And, and when your cause yeah. is fake, then you should have these penalties. But, but the to problem be clear, is that's my that's I think that's a totally reasonable position. Yes. The problem is they have no way of assessing what's fake. Well, they do what they believe. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. so no, this goes back to that book I was reading. It talks about what yeah, what they feel and believe is the truth. People are certain that their perspective is true. Mm -hmm. And we and I think we can all agree it's I've said this now several times just to to illustrate the point, but there are times when what happened yesterday is totally appropriate. Vladimir Putin steals an election. You know what I mean? Like the, where you, you should smash the Capitol building. And there's times, and there's when, times it's, when it's, it's, it's an definitely awful not. Yeah. When it's definitely no, not. Yeah, there's times when it's uh, absolutely appalling. Yes. So the question is then what really happened? And the problem is that people are certain that what they think happened is what really happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, if we could all come back to the grounding of how we know what we know and inject more uncertainty into the process of filtering through a nationwide election with 160 million votes being transmitted to us through primarily headlines and people who are paid to have a particular opinion. This is another thing that just complicates the whole how I know what I know. Um, Eric Weinstein talks about audience capture, which is the idea that once you build an audience, there's particular things they want you to talk about. So there's yep. audience capture, definitely with Charisma on Command. Like if I 
don't want to talk about confidence, <laughs> I, I can't do it. But if you no, have I, that in a political field. Well, Fox is doing it. Fox is straying from Trump and a new news organization is, will rise up. Boom. How would you like to lose 20, 30 percent of your yeah, audience? Say, we'll just always. And your revenue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you guys are being nuanced a little bit. Mm -hmm. you're, now that Trump's out of office, you're going to say that there was no fraud. We'll say there's fraud. Yeah. We'll say it loudly and proudly and we'll take all of the viewers that believe us. So your audience wants to hear mm -hmm. a certain thing because it confirms the germ of a belief that they already have inside of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I come back. It's like, man, we all have to do individual work because everyone out there who is so fucking passionate has someone in their life that they need to be honest with because they've hurt their feelings yeah, yeah. and they're just finding an outlet uh, in a faceless, massive other side that they can safely take swings at and safely destroy under the protection of a mob yeah so yeah I, I don't know what happened yesterday uh i don't know i don't think there was election fraud but i am i have no idea well the other, yeah and the other thing is people who and again the i think the thing that's interesting is people don't have a principle even based on belief it's based mm -hmm. on truth would they so for instance if in four years a republican wins and i tell republicans who are okay, because by the way, not all Republicans are okay with what happened mm -hmm. yesterday, right? So if I tell the Republicans who are okay with what happened yesterday, like let's say the people who are at the protest themselves, and I go, uh, Republican president won, 10,000 Democrats are absolutely yeah, certain, yeah. absolutely certain that this was election fraud, and they are rioting in D.C. What should we do? They're going to go- Bring in the guns. Yeah, bring <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the National Guard, arrest them. Why? Because they're wrong. Yeah. Because there was no fraud this year. And what they're doing is illegal. Year. And they're going to say what they're doing is illegal. But the truth is we all sanction illegal activity under certain circumstances. Yes. But what I'm, I guess I'm saying, even the people that are there today, they don't think they're there because they believe that it's the truth. They're there because it is the truth. Correct. And if I take those exact same, what is it, 10,000, 15,000 people who are on the Capitol, and I tell them in four years when a Republican wins, there's 15,000 Democrats there because they're 100% certain that it was election fraud. What mm -hmm. should we do? Those same people who were in we'll the Capitol yesterday yeah. will say, bring in the National Guard, arrest them, pepper mm -hmm. spray them because they're wrong. Yes. So it's not, <laughs> their principle isn't even about the certainty of truth. Theirs is based on the fact that they're clear, they are clearly right in their minds. And those people would be delusional to them, even though it's just their exact mirror image. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. We, we are living in a world populated full of people, each certain that they have total grasp of reality while recognizing that other people don't share that grasp and certain that they're the crazy one yes. <laughs> and it's just it's okay like what what good fortune on your part to have to have lucked into it but it of course is so compelling to sit in your mind and see evidence and go like it's it's a total lack of empathy is what it is mm -hmm. to, to to imagine having watched different news station would be surrounded by a different group of people all certain of different things one of the and biggest also, problems i see is a lack of empathy yeah, and and also I think um, to Sorry, not when get I say empathy. I don't mean feeling bad for the other person or sympathy. I mean the ability mm -hmm. to see through their eyes. Because sometimes yes. I say like, "Oh yeah, it's a lack of empathy." And people are going, "How could you have empathy for these people? They're scumbags." I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm not saying that you need to love them necessarily or feel bad for them. I'm saying you like imagine you were born where they were born mm -hmm. to the parents they had and the neighborhood they had, grew up with their experiences. Yeah, you would be them. <laughs> so that's what I mean by empathy. It's not the to forgive what they're doing. It's not to say, oh, well, because I have empathy, they can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just that people really struggle to actually put themselves in other people's shoes. Yeah. And what I try to remember, the other thing I think people have is a bad memory. So we all knew that Santa was real and we all knew 
Dude, they, we all knew that Iraq had WMDs. They had WMDs. We Certain. Are, <laughs> the news was telling me it. The president was telling me it. Yeah. 100% positive. WMDs. That's why we're going to war. Not. Or even even if you, we all, I when I was little, I knew that Thanksgiving was the pilgrims and the Indians sitting around. And then I knew in college that it was the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, and then I hear later that it's, oh, wow, they're, the Indians weren't always as kind to the pilgrims as as my college professors made it sound like. And I go, oh, that was 400 years ago, and I have no effing idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and people think that those are one-off things that have happened in their life where, oh my God, remember that time where I was mistaken? Like what a what an aberrant thing to have occurred. Yeah. Uh, there's probably so many deeply held beliefs that I have today and that you have listening out there that you just haven't realized <laughs> yet are mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And so I try to sit in that whenever this kind of stuff happens that is so much bigger than me. Um, well, this is another thing that people, that I, I guess, and people around me don't have the context of the history for. Um, you know, I was talking to my girlfriend about this and she said, I can't see how things can go back to the way they were before. And I was like, what do you mean the way before they were before? And she said, you know, like peaceful and agreeable. <laughs> and maybe there are Nordic countries that have a history of peace. You yeah. know what I mean? Like rare, small fringe ones, but we nuked civilians. Yeah. And then we had a draft to force people to go die terrible deaths in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And this is been a relatively incredible period of peace uh, for U.S. people since basically like World War II. Yeah, I mean, basically uh, even no, but even with Vietnam and stuff like that, people who have been alive for 30 years, let's say they lived through 9-11. There was very and, and that was it. Yeah. Voluntary soldiers sure. went abroad. But it, like I'm 33. There has not been a history of violence in my life, really, for people living in the U.S., right? Yeah, so there's just, been soldiers, there's been CIA operations, there's been Kosovo, there's been these, there's been and Black so Hawk you, Down, but it's think, been oh yeah, the world is mostly scale. peaceful, and this is so crazy. The fact that this thing that happened halfway across the country uh, that doesn't impact me at all has occurred, but simultaneously, the, I mean, so many more people died in Africa to warlord violence yesterday than died on the Capitol, and there's concentration camps in China, so our empathy just doesn't expand past our. Borders? Our, sense, our senses. No, our, not our borders. It extends past our borders. It's what the news tells us is real. And sure. when you get the image and the photo, and if they choose tomorrow to pick Africa, that'll be the thing, you know? But even beyond that, I'm saying uh, the U.S. does not have a history of uh, civilian life unmarred by violence. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like sure. We threw our hat into World War II. We threw our hat into Vietnam. We were had a civil war. It's been this weird freak anomaly that stuff like this hasn't occurred. And so mm -hmm. I don't think we're going back to a more peaceful thing. If once a year or twice a year there are riots and, and a handful of people die, it'll be mm -hmm. tragic. But that's not an aberration compared to the history of the U.S. Sure. Well, this is the you know Ray, what I mean? This is where I, I don't know if Ray Dalio's analysis is correct, but he says that the period of whatever, essentially 70 years without a major world conflict, and we were still Cold War with Russia and we had the proxy wars, but that's a result of the U.S. being the undisputed number one. And when you're undisputed number one, nobody goes toe to toe with you mm -hmm. because it's animals know this. You don't, you like scuffle a little bit, but you don't fight to the death because that, person will just kill you. Mm -hmm. And as the U.S., economically at the least, if not militarily, is begin is beginning to lose that, that, yeah, there's, this is outside of our borders, there's a chance of a larger scale war, conflict, etc. And it seems that part of the reason that all this is even possible in the capital is because we have a pandemic and people are out of jobs and they're pissed off and they have nowhere to be and nothing uh, productive 
to do mm -hmm. except be angry at the state of things. Uh, yeah, that when things get bad, as is Ray Dalio's analysis, is going to start to happen in the U.S., that you will see violence increase, uh, both in our borders and outside of yeah. our borders. Well, the other thing, I don't know if you, I, I don't have a strong opinion on this. It's like, how should this impact you? Because I don't want to, I don't want to downplay it. It's, it's crazy that people stormed the Capitol. It's bad. It's tragic that people died. I have, I have a good heuristic for this. Um, the question, take, make a bet and ask yourself, how important will this be in 30 days or 60 days? Do you remember, it was about this time last year, World War III was starting with Iran because mm -hmm. we killed General Soleimani. Yeah, yeah. And so the, and, and the next week there was something else. So I think that's instructive. Uh, and I think there is a myth of the informed citizen, which tells you you have to react, overreact, and discuss all of the things that you see in the news because it's screamed at you and you're told it's important. And I think that really needs to be deeply questioned. Uh, if you can't influence it, make it better, uh, this is going to be a hot take, uh, leave it alone. Instead, go help an old woman cross the street or go to a food bank or donate or give a hug or call your loved ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, do some good would be... It shouldn't impact you is you and I, I'll say, if you're in Washington, D.C. and you live on H Street, different, different. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the reason I, I ask this is because I see people and you can you can't tell who's who, but I see people on social media and they are either deeply shook by it. And I actually I called some people to see how they were actually feeling do her deeply shook by it and, and had a real cortisol reaction yesterday yeah. who went into fight or flight and then they post on social media to, yeah, to share yeah, their yeah, yeah. feelings or they don't but they think because of who they're friends with and how their social server works yep. they should do a performative social media post <laughs> right yeah um really you you had you had a couple of those yeah i've seen it over the i mean more with blm than okay. with this okay. but um the question is for the people who are having the cortisol reactions right mm -hmm. is that warranted or not is this is this an indication that life is changing and you had a totally reasonable reaction or are you being played by the news and something that will never affect your life is occurring? And the fact that you even know about it is bad for you. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know the answer, but it's something I was thinking about. It's like this, this desire to be informed. I'm, I'm not even positive that this is useful or good. Oh, the, the feeling that I had, people. I was uh, furious at my phone and at my computer because I've tried to get rid of the news and I finally <laughs> went through it. You cannot delete the news from Apple. You have to turn off, which uh, which you have to turn off notifications, which is frustrating. But I'm like, I think I got rid of this. I was very angry because I don't often get them that it told me that this was happening. Um, because I am in the mindset that I've got more important positive changes to affect or even just people to hug, sure. video games to play, dogs to scratch. Uh, and there will always be and, and to anyone out there who's going, oh my God, how could you do this? It's like, what happened to the Capitol yesterday wasn't close to the worst thing that happened in the world yesterday. It, it didn't sniff it in scale mm -hmm. or severity or, or long-term negative impact on people's lives. You got the, I mean, where, I don't even know what continent that thing probably occurred in, but you and I are unaware of it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, would bet Asia or Africa. <laughs> yes. Uh, that, that, that would be a safe, a safe bet, if I'd say. If I got say. two picks in, I'll give you all the other continents. Mm -hmm. I like my odds. Like, who knows what horrible massacres occurred yesterday that we just don't know about. And we mm -hmm. insist that we have to be informed citizens and that people matter and you have to... So... Well, no, go ahead. I just try to focus... I, I try to large-scale zoom out, go, okay, where are these likely to happen? We've talked about charity water. I don't need to beat it to death. 
and stay focused on helping mm. as opposed to being informed. And in order to be informed, take a large scale view like Bill Gates does. And it's like, okay, what's happening in the world? Like infant mortality is getting better and these types of, but these are the reasons why, because diarrhea is actually killing everybody. <laughs> you know. Sure. And if they just can get clean water or they can get these pills that kill worms, that's going to save way more lives than um, what's going on. So that's where I land. Mm -hmm. But to the person who you're asking, was this worth it? I think it's worth the betting game is the most effective for breaking this mentality, which is um, you should have to make a bet and a prediction and you should pay, put that money into an escrow for your own sake. So if you think that this is a harbinger of horrible things and you think that civil war, define civil war, pick a date mm -hmm. and put a thousand dollars that it happens. Well, I actually think one of the things that's so destructive is that people their front brains and their genuine feelings aren't tied together. So if you grab that person and you go to the bet thing, mm -hmm. they won't take the bet. They won't take the but bet. <laughs> because they know with their front brain yeah. that that's not the case. But that conversation, doesn't that whole conversation it. about doing the bet, it doesn't change their minds. So I talked to someone today who I think is smart, just mm -hmm. straight up, you know, no caveats, smart. And they, I could not trap them with facts into actually saying that a large part of the population is made of neo-Nazis. But when I stopped trying to get so clever and trap them with their words, and I said, listen, how do you feel when you see this stuff on Capitol Hill? Like when you see someone with mm. a Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt, yeah. what does that make you just feel about the world? And they said, I feel like because of the vocal minority that everybody who's a Trump supporter is threatening me. My safety yep. is at risk because I don't hear from the moderates. So even though my brain knows 90% of these people don't want to kill all the Jews. They don't want to kill all the minorities. They don't want to. When I see all the screaming and I see the thing and all the images I see are neo-Nazis, Confederate flags, Camp Auschwitz, they were reflective enough to go, my reptile brain mm. thinks that I'm surrounded by people who I don't see because they're in different cities or states, but who are my citizens that want me dead. Yeah. And I was like, why did you get this cortisol spike? And they said, I am genuinely afraid about if Trump is the far part of the pendulum swing and the next Republican president will be more moderate or if we're still swinging yeah. and the next president after Biden is even more further towards the alt-right uh -huh. and even more further towards the alt-right. And if I'm at the part in Germany where I was supposed to move. Sure. And even though their front brain knows that that's unlikely, that doesn't have anything to do with how they feel. And how they feel determines everything about yep. what they post, their cortisol spikes, how they interact with people. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting because that's what I see is that they wouldn't take the bet. They know in their front brain. But it doesn't convince the reptile. Completely. The reptile remains unaffected. And that's why I have these conversations <laughs> and people will, because uh, I'm moderate and I just think the you know, both extremes are bad and I talk to people who are on the extremes and they'll agree with me 100% of the conversation. But nothing changes. Yeah. And then walk away completely unchanged. And I realize it's because I'm talking to the wrong part of the brain. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, <clears throat> so if you think of uh, psychology and therapy, there's a, well, what I'm describing is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is mm -hmm. like, let's use the front brain to influence the back brain. And it's helpful. You know, like yes. the, the betting is helpful. But to your point, cognitive behavioral therapy, even in my opinion, is not the most effective for deep rooted belief issues. I think cognitive behavior therapy is fantastic. Two thumbs up. If you are going through it yourself mm -hmm. voluntarily, mm -hmm. 
And if you're going to do it every time you have a cognitive distortion, cognitive behavior therapy tells you to stop and do one of these exercises. Mm -hmm. So that over time, by doing these exercises five times a day, a week later, you're doing them three times a day. And two weeks later, you're doing them once a day because you're lowering your cognitive and, distortions. Yeah. That's what happens is you you start to catch your distortions. If you're doing it once a month when you talk to me, yeah. I, you can't drag someone through cognitive behavior yeah. therapy. You know what I mean? Yep, 100%. And I think the biggest thing that I see is, so you raise a good point, which is part of what makes cognitive behavioral therapy work is the fact that you want it mm -hmm. to work. Yeah. Oh, you <laughs> want to stop being you're... depressed. Yeah. It's great for depression because you want to stop being depressed. Yeah. So you do the work yourself. Mm -hmm. But these people don't want to not they're be. Just, they're just pinned by you in a conversation. Yeah. And, and, are, yeah. and they'll be nice and agreeable. They don't get mad at me. They don't yeah. resent me. But as soon as they're gone, that is the last time they, they don't do want that, that exercise. Yeah. So, well, I think what you did is interesting, which is one step is bringing the unconscious to the conscious. And so as is so often the case, when we are triggered, there's something that we deep down believe that we could not utter because we know it's insane. Mm -hmm. And we know people would find us silly, stupid for saying it out loud. Yeah. And so what this person said is, I'm surrounded by enemies yeah. and I know it. And that's exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm every time I turn on the news. Yeah, and, and they that's, didn't want to say it at first. It's I, an embarrassing like, thing to admit. You, how yeah. many people, what I said was, how many people at the rally, the 15,000, do you think are neo-Nazis? Mm -hmm. And even then, they couldn't. They yeah. gave, ten, you know, 10%. I was like, mm -hmm. well, why do you think it's such, and I, it was only after I was like, listen, I know this isn't what you think. I just want to know what your heart feels, mm -hmm. what your gut feels without any processing. Mm -hmm. What's the first reaction before your cerebral gets a hold of it and makes it yeah. palatable for the rest of the world? I'm surrounded by enemies. And that was the yeah. only time. Then they were just like, yeah. I think that in 10 years, potentially the entire country could be run by Nazis. Well, so like, even okay. that, even that is a reptile feeling uh, taken no, by the, the front brain. I'm, the feeling was I'm, I'm, I'm in, surrounded I'm in by enemies. I'm in danger. So I think um, that was the feeling. The exercises that are probably most useful for people to do uh, is that bringing the unconscious to the conscious and then feeling it. We talk about it in emotional mastery. You can image, you can use imagery, you can go through it. But uh, I th what I've seen in myself is that, and I had to do this during the protest last time because I was triggered like fucking mad. And I, mm -hmm. felt, I felt the same. I was like, I'm surrounded by people that want to smash in my house and, and come up here and hurt me. Um, and found... Yeah, man, like a cowering, terrified, and then feral, angry part of myself that yeah. was like backed into a corner and then was ready to, to jump. And that would come out in my discussions and make me less useful mm -hmm. to talk to because you were, you were just talking to that triggered primal part of myself. So I had to go experience it, process it, and then you could still have thoughts about the thing. You could still move. You could still go, okay, I can do it. But you do it without the irrational trigger over influencing your decision-making process. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can still leave the country if at the end of that. You can still, you know, buy a gun or, or make whatever reasonable determination you find is reasonable. But it, you can tell that you're doing it from that space because your heart doesn't elevate, mm -hmm. your voice doesn't raise, you you take deep breaths throughout it. Yeah. <laughs> you're not no, that's why you're I, not in fight or flight. The, no, the question that I asked this person to get them to start to into this, I said, I, I believe that cortisol spikes cause something, cancer, something that kills you. I think if you grow up in an area where gunshots are going all around, mm -hmm. where your dad's hitting your mom because he's an alcoholic, where you're constantly at stress, even if no physical harm comes to you, that takes years off your life. Given that context, was that was yesterday a day like that for you? Mm -hmm. Did you have a physical reaction 
that put you in fight or flight where you were angry or your hands shook or this or that, despite the fact that you weren't in uh, Even in danger. danger. Yeah. And, and they said yes. And I was like, okay, you're the person I want to talk to. You're the person I'm trying to talk to. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of how I got there. I was like, something is happening beyond the fact that four people in Washington, D.C. died because there might have been four people in Chicago that died yesterday too, but you just don't care. So yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and it was this, this idea of being around threat and this idea that maybe this is a sign of things to come. And, you know, this person is Jewish and they see the, the Nazi signs and the Camp Auschwitz signs and that's mm -hmm. where their brain goes. Is This is, I'm going to be in a concentration camp. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And they're just afraid. Uh, and then that makes you, yeah, it doesn't matter what they say at that point. So bouncing a little bit, one of the things that I, a question that I had was Trump has essentially uh, gone to war, not war. He has taken a very stark oppositional side to what the tech companies want him to say. Let's put it that way. Sure. Uh, who wins? <laughs> the president of the United States? The tech who, companies. I, that was my impression. Well, Trump will be gone in what two weeks? Let's say that Trump. I mean, I guess he. I guess he could technically control the military, but when it comes to influencing the citizenry, well, he started his war late, though. If this was Joe Biden's number one thing, I think every president gets one thing. Mm -hmm. If this was Joe Biden's one thing, mm -hmm. I think he could do it. I think he could make them not be platforms and dismantle them. But he'll focus on either green energy yeah, yeah. or critical race theory. I don't think it can be your fifth thing. But if Obama had cared about tech as much as he cared about Obamacare, they, we would have huge tech regulations, I think. I'm just so right or wrong. I don't know. The president has recourse to the military, but he he can't spread his message without the consent of YouTube, Twitter, you know, no, like if these things just decide sure. to deplatform him, which well, they did for large portions of yesterday. Is that true? Because his message got across. No, the message was an acceptable message to the platforms, which was go home. They deleted the tweets that they didn't want and they every news station carried the, it was stolen, but you got to go home. Mm -hmm. Now imagine that he'd said something. Well, eventually that got deleted because people said it was a, it was just couched in so much. Okay. Keep going rhetoric. Sure. And it got deleted. So uh, just, he, was say, he was saying like, this was stolen. You guys are heroes. I mm -hmm. love you. Go home. Yeah. We'll never stop fighting. And people were just like, that's not a call to go home. Yeah. So I guess my point is, we have a situation where at least when it comes to disseminating information, mm -hmm. the president is a pebble compared to the power of these tech companies. I'm not saying that that should be reversed or different. Is that true now that there are kind of partisan platforms, if that makes sense? What platform is going to... I don't know. Wasn't there? Isn't there something with a P? Parlor. Yeah. Do you think that's where? <laughs> isn't there something with a P? Well, I'm, the thing I'm not a I'm not an alt right Republican, but I think I feel like people will be able Nobody's to get their parlor. message to, to. No, you don't think so? In four years or ten years, that the that the literal consequence of what happened this year is that there'll be huge platforms for every political ideology. No, I don't. I thought that. I mean, I think back to Edward Snowden. Like, are you going to change your life? Are you going to Are you going to use Signal instead of text messages because yeah, yeah. they read every text message I do when it's related to drugs <laughs> yeah but there's things probably on your text that you wouldn't want the government having at their fingertips that you just didn't think twice about and so i think what a lot of people have seen is that their diehard audience that is really active in the comments doesn't come over isn't that interested won't switch platforms well, that I agree. won't pick I up a new habit it's a huge thing when milo yiannopoulos gets kicked off youtube to go to his own thing 
I think there's a giant drop off. One percent. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like and and that's with diehard fans. Alex Jones, I think, has probably some of the most diehard fans and has been able to make a living. But it just occurred to me that you have a group of tech companies that, by all intents and purposes, are the same politically. Mm-hmm. That might as well coordinate if they don't already, because the bans all happen on the same day with regard to the same thing. That have more power over information and truth spreading mm-hmm. than a re- democratic republic elected official. Not saying that I think that's because of terms. That's because of terms. I think the CEO of Twitter could be the same for twenty years, and the president has eight years max. Yep. Trump had four, so like Trump didn't decide they were an enemy till. Two years in, yeah, because he was talking. He was focused on mainstream media, mm-hmm. which kind of pushed people to YouTube. Actually, yeah. I think it made Ben Shapiro. I would guess it helped the Ben Shapiros of the world because he said mainstream media is garbage. Mm-hmm. So then people came to the YouTubes and the Twitters for their news, and it was only two years in that he went, "Oh no, tech is bad too." Mm-hmm. And tech just said, "I'll be here in a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll be gone in two to six. Mm-hmm. And I think that if he had won, maybe he could have done something. But that's the biggest issue, I think, in terms of tech versus government. Yeah, is the government is this is kind of like the U.S. government versus China. We just have a constantly changing agenda. Yeah, that is really hard to make progress in relative to P- Putin, who gets to be president forever, can get a lot more done. Done because he can think <laughs> beyond two years. Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. No, I guess I was thinking, I don't, there's a handful. It's like, think of the person who runs Viacom, who runs News Corp, Mm -hmm. who runs Google, and who runs Facebook, and maybe Twitter. It's like, say that there's, between them, that's five companies or so, and say that there's there's 10 people Mm -hmm. that if they agree or collude, control the truth that people understand. Sure. I just want to understand your big five. Viacom, Facebook, Google, Twitter, and then what was the other one? Uh, News Corp is, and then maybe Disney. Well, I guess Disney owns Viacom. I, I, I think that those are somehow connected. Okay. In any event, it's not many. <laughs> There's an oligopoly on the truth. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, they weren't active, at least the social media companies, in policing it. Like, okay, we're not, not going to have beheading videos. You know, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not going to show like live leaks murder. But aside from that, we're going to permit a lot of stuff. If it's mm-hmm. le- if it's like legal, it can go on here. And that is stopped. And what unfortunately has happened is, you know, and people kind of go, oh, mainstream news is biased. But it's like, yeah, but we're just entering that mature phase of these tech companies mm-hmm. where they become the same thing. They become these ideological squawk boxes that shut down dissenting opinion. I don't think anyone would disagree. I, I don't think liberal or Republican. I think the only question is, is that good? Is it good that they are stopping disinformation that their censorship is on the side of the right and therefore it's not censorship i struggle with this because i go imagine that i started youtube you know Mm -hmm. like it's a private company i want to be able to hire people that i agree with and i and and they're going to have a particular worldview uh like at what point and then the government wants to come in here and tell me no this is a public entity and you're doing a public service and like you got to let people who you hate speak out and say shit that is you know yeah. to your mind completely false i i don't know the answer but i, I was just that was the some rule on our podcast for whatever reason they're like yeah. once a month ben's gonna get replaced with someone you completely disagree yeah with, yeah and you are not you can talk about other things you can talk about unrelated topics but you cannot tell them they're wrong you can't contradict them they just get to talk on your podcast mm-hmm. you'd be like Fuck no this. Yeah, absolutely yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now and i think it's intelligent that we have the difference between a publisher and a platform for this purpose and mm-hmm. they should 
probably all be platforms at this point. But uh, publishers, they should be publishers. Thank you. Um, they are platforms right now. But no, I just I I str- I don't know the answer to this one because I go on the one hand, I would want the right to conduct my private business mm-hmm. freely, like to not have to let people who I hate into my business to speak things that I hate. Dude, anyone that's on the podcast that says something I think is crazy, I want the right to say, just to be clear for the audience. Just for context. I think this is <laughs> absolutely says, crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so now YouTube has context where they say the baseless election frauds or the dangerous, uh, I saw one that was on, um, I told you it was Ryan Long did a comedy on straight conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I agree with this context, but it's for context, conversion therapy is a dangerous and disproven way. And well, this is the question. How do we, what is our policy on this type of thing when we agree because that we will love be, it because that will be the policy <laughs> yeah, when we disagree exactly you know so it's like oh yeah obviously put up context saying that go that gay conversion therapy doesn't make gay people straight mm-hmm. that's so obvious you have to do that mm-hmm. well what if the platform what if it was just the reverse decides, of that? what if it said conversion therapy is highly effective yes exactly no and it's like oh that's so crazy what if what if but a bunch of will, religious people started youtube there will come like, a time when this is used against you. This yes. is the executive order thing I was talking about earlier. So we need to come up with a policy now <laughs> that your that enemies can wield. <laughs> with when the other side has the trigger. Yes. Uh, and so I don't know the answer, but it, it also just reminded me of like the Ubers and Netflixes and Amazons that, and YouTube did this, that they win market share mm-hmm. by being awesome and open and free. And what I meant by Uber is like, there was no tipping and you don't have to tip and it's really low prices. And Amazon and Netflix were just dumping full seasons. And then the boys comes out on Amazon after they kind of have you and it's going to be one a week now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can get more. Like That was actually the producer's call. That wasn't Amazon's sure. call. Sure. But what you see is to win market share, yeah. you are better. Yes. And then as you enter the phase of maturity, you start to mon- you focus on monetizing. You milk of- it and you stop innovating and mm-hmm. you stop being better and you just use monopoly power. And the fact that people don't adapt, adopt new habits except for a radically better solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the phase that I think we are in with social media is we're, we, we innovated. That was 15 years ago. Yeah, no, something has to come disrupt it now because the powers that be have switched from trying to be the best value for the user to trying to monetize their user base to the max. But you have to have antitrust regulations in order to do this because disruption will never occur if they could just buy every competitor yep. straight off. The, like yeah, you yeah. have to break them That's up. what happened with the electric car. Yeah. The electric car made no progress because as soon as anyone made a breakthrough, some car company is just like, hey, we will want to give you $20 million so that we can put this in all of our cars. Mm-hmm. And then they sell it and then they just scrap it. Yeah. And now the founder has a non-compete and can't make more electric engines. Yeah. And so they just have to go be an engineer in something completely unrelated. And that's like, yeah, that's that's why Intel Tesla just kept getting. So killed. you had a super rich, super driven guy who was just like, I'm not going to sell this. Yeah. You know, because they yeah. absolutely would have loved to buy Tesla yeah. and shelve the technology. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They're not interested <laughs> in making their cars electric for whatever reason. Yeah. So speaking of richest man in the world, Elon oh, Moe and Musk, dude. Wow. Again. On paper, and Tesla is trading at a multiple yeah, that, quite so frankly, reasonable. Tesla is tr- for the mere who price. knows. Man. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And of 1,500 times their next year's earnings, <laughs> you can own a percentage yeah. of their company. Just for people to know, that's 150 times more valuable than most mature companies. Now, they're a growth company. Yeah. But normally, you're like, oh, 10 times future earnings. That's a reasonable amount to mm -hmm. pay. Basically, if a business is going to make a million dollars a year for the foreseeable future, you pay $10 million. Now you own the business. That's like a normal... It depends widely that's on normally the industry. what's considered yeah. a good deal, roughly. I'm just All you PE guys, Ben I'm knows. I'm trying to make ben this <laughs> simple, right? Yeah. Ben knows this, it's more complicated. This is like someone who had something that makes a million dollars a year being bought for $1.5 billion. Yeah. They would have to exist at their current size for 1,500 years yeah. to make their payback. Or, so people are just betting that they're going to grow. Grow. They're betting they're going to grow 150 times, times, basically. Yeah, correct. It's um, crazy. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, it's I, crazy. I don't think you mean it's impossible. It's just, it's wild. Yes. It's like, uh, in any event, I don't know if, if that's real or sustainable given all of that, but I do think it's... Your Tesla's up, Bitcoin's up. <laughs> Tech investors have never been happier. Well, I will say, if there is fundamental to it, the thing that I take is... Tesla was almost dead a lot of times. Yeah, and Elon Musk's story is like, PayPal took all of the money... And I think suck it into Tesla and SpaceX. And, and both of those companies were like one explosion away from not working. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the thing that I find admirable, and I don't care if I'm ever, the, I'll never be the richest man in the world and I don't aspire to be, but I am kind of glad that Elon, who was like, there's three big problems. There's commerce. There's the fact that our planet's going to explode and there's green energy. Uh, I'm just going to try to fix these massive problems. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that there's, that the market has rewarded that sure uh and the market isn't perfect but I'm, I'm i'm pleased and even jeff bezos who it's like i want to make sure that everybody can get everything for cheaper wherever they are also i'm going to build i'm going to send people to, into outer space to mine asteroids like these are not i'm glad that they're not financial firms mm -hmm. i'm glad that they're not well, no, so they, i like, mean the reason that they trade so high is because people are betting on their growth and yeah. the reason people think they will grow so much is because they are doing such crazy things and they're doing real things mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's not uh derivative swaps mm -hmm. and uh zero-sum games where where the people inside get rich it's ostensibly like the entire world could be powered by elon musk's <laughs> factories yeah. Potentially no, with renewable energy. And I don't know him. I've never met him. I could be wrong. But I do believe Elon when he says that that's what initially motivated him to those ideas because they're but just two, such bad ideas. He took all of his <laughs> PayPal money. Yeah. He could have. He was done. He was done. He had $200 million. And he said, I'm going to put it on black. <laughs> well, not put it on black. Dude. I'm going to put it on 13. Yeah, like, I'm going to put it on. Gonna, sorry, that's fair. I'm going to outspaceship NASA. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm going to make electric cars yeah. that every major automobile industry person is going to want me to fail. 
Like, these are not the bets of someone who's trying to do expected value returns. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that's why I kind of find it believable. Because, yeah, if you were just trying to get rich, why would you ever do rocket ships that demand innovative technology so you would have sold tesla like i mean tesla i remember watching the stock go up and down and like for years for yeah. years if you look at it it's ba, 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 and they were always like one launch away from disaster oh uh, tesla yeah tesla yeah. struggled for a long time i remember reading an article a year and a half ago like tesla's not gonna make it you know mm -hmm. and they still might not make it like who knows uh but i'm just happy that not that he's the richest man in the world but that the market is rewarding big humanity level yeah ideas sure um i think that's that's cool speaking of rich people should we talk about jack ma just because i personally oh my even, god i didn't even know this story <laughs> until you guys told it i to barely me. know the story I, I so jack ma disappears do you know the story justin yeah and then his family said that he's well, okay ja basically jack ma said a sentence at the end of a speech that was kind of anti the chinese government yeah. right and then just was not heard from again for <laughs> months yeah it's insane he's the richest person in china to me Maybe it's all good. Doesn't seem all good. Doesn't really smell <laughs> all good. I could be wrong. You just took a big Justin, let me know social if you media think break. I'm, I'm crazy. But to me, I just, I was like, oh my God, all of this money means nothing if China, if the Chinese government has you in their grasp. So this is, we mentioned this earlier. We have lived in a time where the illusion of stability and security was a, a t a, an illusion you could touch. Mm. It was like, I can plan 30 years down the line. I can put money into yeah. a pension. Like, yes, somebody might get sick or hit by a car, but like the world will be the same. And that's just not true through human history. And it's not true in a huge chunk of the world. Like if you yeah. speak no. the wrong words, gone. Yeah, free like, speech is something we t just take for granted here as a uh, fundamental human right. And <laughs> the most rich person in China, who you would think would be the, one of the most powerful people in China, said something to the extent of, innovation isn't true innovation without freedom and then wasn't heard from for months and i think correct me if i'm wrong the only thing we have so far is a, a family member came out was like this, jack's Justin? jack's okay guys don't worry about jack yeah that's what i heard that they said he was like laying low he's like just hanging he's just don't worry about jack guys but it's like it's not him on video yeah. saying hey guys i'm fine hold it up know. today's newspaper i just went on vacation don't sweat it it's just crazy it's crazy to me how and i i was actually didn't i didn't fully get it when i was talking to you guys i said why doesn't he just leave why doesn't he just take all his family and let's say the 66, he can't get a 66 billion, but he can get five fifty million out. Is it 66 billion? I think he's got more than that. But I don't know. But let's just say, okay, he can get out one one thousandth of his money by getting it into Swiss bank accounts. Yeah. And then the point you guys raise is, okay, well, does he know anyone that's left in China? Well, they're getting tortured. <laughs> you just have to sign off on mm -hmm. the horrible treatment of the people that you Love, yeah. leave behind. And you can't take everybody that you've ever met. I don't know. I, I was pretty surprised yeah. at how powerless he seems compared to the almighty government raises an interesting question about what wealth is and i think you know we talk about money but it's it's trite health is first mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter how much money you have if you if you're if you're debilitated and you don't feel like you can move and you have no energy like yeah, does yeah. you very little good freedom to speak the things that occur to you in a and not be punished for it mm -hmm. I mean, what a that's how much would he pay for that? How many billions of dollars would Jack Ma give mm -hmm. to be able to speak his mind probably publicly? Eight percent. Well. <laughs> yeah, probably a, an incredible amount. Yeah. So I'm not saying that I'm a 66 or 70 billionaire, but like Jack Ma thinks I, you know, <laughs> like, sure. to a degree, like he would probably uh, maybe I don't know that he would trade places. People re very rarely trade places. Yeah, but uh, 
I do wonder if he's like could do an, a business that he really enjoyed and make it ample income and be free to speak his mind if he wouldn't take that. No, option. I, I have become such a big fan of the freedom of speech. And that sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. But you see people saying things you disagree with and you go, that's so crazy. We got to stop them. You know yeah. what I mean? But I saw this person in Australia who had posted that they wanted to make a, a rally for anti-COVID. And I didn't realize this, but Australia doesn't have freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. So they busted into her house, confiscated all her computers, confiscated her phone and arrested her because of a Facebook post. And that seems crazy to me. That's like something out of a dystopian novel. And it's happening in Australia, which is clearly what we would call a developed country that generally gets spoken about very highly. And it's just, oh yeah, we didn't like that post you went, so you're arrested now. So I think the freedom of speech is one of the most important things we have in America. Hot take. No, (laughs) I think people underappreciate it. Sure. Because they see, what they see is the other side saying things they don't like. And they go, yeah, obviously YouTube should censor. Let's see. These protests should be, these protesters should be arrested. And I agree if you break the law, you should be arrested. But I just think I've come around to, okay, you want to following the law, have a protest that's peaceful that I completely disagree with. I support this. Yeah. You well, let's, I mean? let's go. I, I wasn't planning on going here, but I was thinking about it. Um, I do not like cancel culture, mm-hmm. but I absolutely defend your right to scream and shout about a brand and tell everybody else not to use it. I don't recommend it. I think that it it, it is a problem that ought to be solved. Uh, it's like, I don't think it's morally necessarily always, like uh, it sometimes is morally the right thing to do. Like if you happen to know that a brand is systematically abusing mm-hmm. employees or it's raping people or something, you can say, hey, don't, I'm not gonna buy here. Nobody else should buy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just thinking about cancel culture and I go, oh, I'm not actually against cancel culture. I'm not actually against speaking out against wrongdoing. I'm pro making sure you got the facts straight. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> the, big, the big one is, uh, you know, you want some semblance of due process. So yes. even, even people that were arrested at a BLM protest you don't like or a Trump should be president protest you don't like, mm-hmm. you don't want them thrown in jail without being put in front of a judge yeah. and having evidence placed on them. And it's just cancel culture, people engaging it should recognize you're acting as a judge potentially. You are you are potentially putting sanctions of serious amounts of money mm-hmm. and ability to earn a living on people. And since you're acting as a judge, you should go through the due process thing yourself before you feel confident enough to recommend that people boycott yeah. something. No, and then the problem we get into is the one we talked about before where they would say, I am and I'm certain, and it's because yeah. they're not using their front brain, yeah. they're using their emotions. Yep. They, person or company. How, or and, and then the question is like, how would you like this amount of evidence used against you? Yeah. Like, could I ever find a clip of you saying something fresh or naughty? Yeah, yeah. And should that mean you should lose your job? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've mentioned this before, but people that are not on camera do not understand the shit that they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't get it. I sit with my friends and family who are insistent upon like, oh my God, how could he? And yeah. then two hours later, I'll hear them say something nearly identical. Yeah, I yeah. go, could you imagine uh. <laughs> yeah you want to talk about uh skin in the game and it's kind of related to politics sure. it's also a huge tangent at the same time remember when people said that obama was the antichrist yeah do you think they have any takeaways from the fact that the world hasn't ended yet no no this is my point is that uh one of the best things you could probably do for yourself is build an accountability sheet and be like here are my predictions yeah. oh, like the world will end if barack obama wins second term and then like, here's the date that I think it's going to happen by. And what do I expect that to look like? Like brimstone and hellfire, like not protests. No. You thought it was going to be raining asteroids. Yeah. And maybe asteroid is a metaphor for a nuclear bomb. So I'll give you I'll nuclear give you, holocaust yeah, counts yeah. for antichrist. 
Yeah. Um, it was just fascinating. There were there were people, and again, this is a local you know, minority, but- You know this about the religious sects though, that this is one of the, the phenomena that the psychologists found with these uh, end of the world sects is that they don't lose a ton of adherence after yeah, yeah, the yeah. world doesn't Which end. Which is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. The Mayan calendar says that in 2012, the world's going to end yeah. and all these people will leave it and the world doesn't end. And then they still believe whatever led them to think the world was going to well, end. I've noodled through this. It's not, people are not, the world is too big to be interested in the truth of the world. The truth of your social group is life or death though. And so the words that we say in conversation are not about what's happening out there. It's about like, we're in alliance, right? Like you're gonna, you got my back, I got your back, we stick together. And the words like, oh, the fucking Rams suck this year, they don't stand a chance. It's like, that's not a bet. Yeah. I just know that you like the Eagles and we need sure. to be buddies. Sure. <laughs> like, And so I'll say whatever it takes to shore up this alliance. And uh, yeah, the world didn't end, but guess what? I, I still need you. Mm. And I think- yeah, when I sit, when I see myself and people discussing, I go, "This isn't about what's happening out there. This is about you guys reinforcing social connection and social bonds, so that people don't stab you in the back and betray you." And yeah, that's what we do. Nobody cares about the truth. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I was reflecting back at this, all the stuff happening in Capitol Hill, it just made me think about past presidents. And I was like, "Oh yeah, remember when they thought this was literally a biblically prophesized person who, if he won the presidency, that meant that the." Apocalypse was coming. Mm -hmm. Then he won the presidency, and then no apocalypse came. People said, "Oh, listen, <laughs> you might not like what Donald Trump is doing, but he still hasn't come close to Hitler. He's still not close. He's still not anywhere with yeah, the sniffing grounds week. of Hitler." So, like, that's the there was a prediction by many that Trump was Hitlerian, and uh, when they write, unless something drastic happens, when they write the history of the last 150 years. Hitler and Trump will have very different places in it. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Like Trump is not going to be mentioned. Like what a crazy thing that happened for four years. Oh, dude. In <laughs> I mean, unless something ridiculous changes in a hundred years, they will barely talk about him, I think. He will be your, your Calvin Cool. Well, Calvin Cool, there's a lot of people like Herbert Hoover. They don't. But like just the guy that not a lot of people yeah, yeah, actually yeah. know about. He'll be a guy that people can't describe. I wonder if it'll be stuff. like, what was it? Taft who got stuck in a in a bathtub and that'll be like the story like trump had one story that people yeah. remember about him i think it's likely that that is the case yeah certainly i mean in 150 years i really don't think he'll have much presidential no. legacy um moving along i watched briefly oh, it was a brief video so i watched the whole video <laughs> it was on men's biggest insecurities and it was just it was one of those videos where they just get you know people from the ages of five to 75 to just say a sentence Okay. about what their insecurity is. And there wasn't a ton of takeaways. The first one that it was sweet, it was from like ages five to 10. They're just like, none. They don't have insecurities. Really? No. That's cool. What are your insecurities? I mean, think of it. They don't. And then it starts at adolescence that they start to get very into looks. And then it actually, I thought that there would be different things at different stages. This isn't a perfectly random sample, but I was surprised that you wouldn't have been be, been able to predict the age of someone after the age of about 10 based on what they said. Oh, can I try to play where you tell me like what the common insecurity is? Or was, it, was, what, it one what, was or? what was the most common one? Small penis. No, zero. I mean, first off, nobody would admit that. No one would admit that. Oh, got it. So they're being they're a little bit biased by the fact that they're on camera. A hundred percent biased by the fact that they're on camera. Got it. So they're they're saying sorry. most commonly admitted security. Are they saying this is my insecurity? Or are my, they insecurity. Saying, my insecurity. Oh, insecurity. I thought it was men. That each one was asked, "What is a man's no, insecurity?" No, no. So that each per human that might be interesting. I bet you could get closer to people's personal insecurities by saying, "What do you think most men are insecure about?" Yeah. And you could probably find that individual's insecurity more effectively. But I thought, okay, so got it. So you're saying they come on and they go, what, what do you, is what is your biggest insecurity? insecurity? And the father's like, I don't have any. 
not making not making a lot of money or enough money. Nope. Really? Height. Fucking nailed it. Height. Dude. Height. Yeah. Wow. Justin 6'2 guy misses it. What do you know? <laughs> uh, yes. It's height was at dude. all ages. I have a height privilege. Minus like 70. When they get to 70, they just make it. But of course, that could be a random sampling. But it was height. It was height throughout. Uh, and I don't have any takeaway other than. Interesting. It's like, wow. That's the most common Throughout. One. Yeah, man. 50s. Like. There's guys that are not hair. Hair was stated a handful of times. Um, Interesting. Hair was stated a handful of times. Height was the most common. I did have a 6'4 boss who was completely bald and he was incredibly handsome. So Mm -hmm. this lines up. But uh, yeah, I don't have a takeaway other than that I believe to be a massive insecurity for dudes. And it kind of stinks because there's not, it's, it's one of the hardest ones to change. Like some of them, like my acne. Mm. Or like my this, or like I'm chubby. And it's like, all of these is like- Yeah, you go on Accutane, mm-hmm. you start working out. And- uh, You go through an experimental procedure that shatters your shins and stretches you out. Of course, yeah, yeah. a very expensive, painful like Gattaca. Do you have any thoughts on that? I didn't, I, I it was just more of a premise than a, no. than a philosophical idea. Skin colored? Did anyone say? No one said that. Um, but again, it's not a random sample. What do you think, Justin? I feel like height is just a stand-in for dick size. Okay. <laughs> I think they're very interesting. I've heard right. from women that they don't correlate. <laughs> I mean, not that they correlate, but that if they're not going to say penis size, then mm. I feel like height is also likewise like a genetically assigned yeah. thing that... Not we, being big enough to yeah. like impress. You know or, what's funny though? Height, I can imagine in affecting you once a day. You know, you meet someone new, you think penis size... It's right. so rarely going to actually affect <laughs> you. It's such a funny one that I think society has like grasped onto. Well, I don't know what's, is it better or worse to have an insecurity that everyone sees or that is your secret that only the person that you really want to like you sees? You know, like I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, or would you rather be tall with a small penis or a <laughs> big penis? Well, I mean, hopefully, would I rather? I'm not yeah. even going to answer this question. We're not playing that. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much of a takeaway and I'm sure there's people out there going, oh, it doesn't matter, but, uh, it does. And I recognize this and that's not to say that I think it's important that you're tall. It's to say that if you take the bell curve of people, there's a large section of them, especially when you're like comes to dating that care and it, and it excludes you from that section. Now, this is, this is why I, I talk about this when we do charisma on command, it's, it's not that height doesn't matter mm-hmm. or wealth or anything else. It's that you can overcome this stuff if you focus on other things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we we knew a guy who was, a, I think, like a 5'5 five, five Asian, but dressed incredibly well, great tattoos. And I thought he was like, not going to hurt himself in the attractive department to most mm-hmm. women because he was just crushing it on every other thing. Did his height hurt him? Probably. Mm-hmm. But like he had overcome it with other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so charisma to me is that other stuff. That's like no matter what genetic hand you got, if you just smash this, you're going to be okay. Well, I wouldn't. I, the only thing I would amend is no matter what. I do think that there's the tail end of the bell curve. I'm yeah, not sure, like, sure. and, and by the way, like we've, we've spoken about Peter Dinklage, who has like a very attractive wife. And, he's, and he's very financially successful. He's very financially successful. But like I don't want to exclude the possibility that there are hands that one can be dealt yeah. that are near insurmountable. That's fair. Um, but at the same time, there's people like Sean Stevenson. I mean, look up Sean Stevenson if, if you're not familiar with him. He is about 
two feet tall. I actually think he may have died. He passed away, but had a very attractive wife, was a motivational speaker. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I recognize that there are people out there that you need to just go, you know what? I'm not going to just puff you up. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. I'm not going to tell you you're going to overcome this. At the same time, for anyone, it is possible. Like, mm-hmm. if you, like for you, the individual, like, strides can be made. Your life can be changed. Like, very positive. Yeah, you can get a bad hand. Yes. And you can make your hand better. Yes. And, and I also think, you by might the way, as well try. You're not going to catch up to, I'm not going to catch up to Chris Hemsworth. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, some people just are going to have a lead on you, but mm-hmm. I've improved my life through focusing on health and charisma and all that stuff to mm-hmm. the point where I'm happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the other thing. You don't need to be. So I think Chris there's, Hemsworth. it's often called like a black pill, which is the mm-hmm. black pill is that there's these unchanging things about yourself. And I think where I land is that uh, it, it is foolish to discount the importance of those unchanging things, but it's also foolish to despair and do nothing yes. about the things you can change. <laughs> no, Jeff, we had the, the guy that started uh, Endless Options and Jump Cut and mm-hmm. Simple Pickup. He's yeah. a 5'7", balding Indian guy. And he would say, all of this is bad. For, you know, the fact that I'm 5'7", and balding and Indian, these all hurt me. And he's, by the way, he's not a worst case scenario. He's not it's just what a he dis- said. disfigured person, but he's he... And by the way, it's not worst case scenario if you're a disfigured person. This yeah, is yeah. difficult things no, I'm just, to discuss. I'm just saying he uh, <laughs> he says that he has surpassed regular handsome dudes because he's focused on wealth creation, fame, moving geographies. You know, I mean, he's gone all in. And on- we're, we're speaking, uh, if it's not obvious, specifically about dating, um, because I actually think, well, I don't know. I'd be curious what you guys all think. I think that women are the most uh, discerning and discriminatory. I don't mean that negatively, but like they'll say no. One of my best friends from my whole life is five, seven. I don't care. Well, five, seven, even that short, but I would be friends with him if he were five feet tall. I don't, I I don't care at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. I wouldn't care if he were a little person. I wouldn't care. Like he's got the same interests and we do the same things and I do not need that aspect of him. So I don't, I think that track with your experience at all, Justin, in terms of people, you know, Wait, sorry, what do you say? You're saying that women are, are women? No, no, no. no. Are women? Guy, no, sorry, dating. So I mean dating. Uh, I, I, oh, height, I'm not saying. I'm not height saying. Affects you less in terms of making friends than it does in terms of dating. And I think in the middle oh, might be sure. work promotions, which mm-hmm. I've heard sometimes people just respect you more if you're tall, and so they defer to you. So it's easier to mm-hmm. establish yourself as a leader. Yeah. But on the on the thing that's going to impact you the least, I think, would be making friends. I, I think if you're just funny and fun and positive, who I don't know. I don't know anybody who like super cares how tall their friends are mm-hmm. and then the middle i think is is it a disadvantage in work i i'm going to go with the data and say yes probably there's just a natural respect bonus you get but you can pass it by being talented and all that stuff and yeah. i think the hardest thing is dating and you can still crush dating but that's probably where the biggest ding occurs based on height so i haven't watched it i'm sure they have one not statistically significant but a fun little game i'll check for the one on women what do you think women's biggest insecurity will be? Wait. I don't know. I'd have to think really hard. I'll say aging and age-related things, mm. including wrinkles. So I, I, I'm capturing okay. that. Well, then I'll take body. So if okay. they say small boobs or if they say they're chubby, I'll get body. I'll give you... You get age. You get whole body? Well, yeah, you got age. I feel like you'll win with whole body. I, so do I. So I picked it. But that's not fair. These are not similarly <laughs> sized things. I can't even win for the 5, 10, 15, Like, you know what I mean? I can't. Up until I don't know what age, I'm not going to get any of up it. Up until, yeah. 
I discount I this. Okay, I, fine. I'll just go. I'll just go with weight. Weight. Okay. But if someone thinks they're too skinny, that counts. That counts. Justin, anything? All right, then I'll go with I'll go with boob size. Okay. All right. Very so we specific. Got, we got breast size. We got weight. We got age. Let us know next week. All right. I'll I'll check it out. Do you have anything else? No, everything else can wait. Okay. Let me see if I had. I'm tr- I'm trying to keep this tight because Patreon tends to run long, and I have a call after this. So. Oh, I just saw one interesting thing that. Uh, Naval Ravikant, who often tweets, sometimes very difficult to understand things. Where I go, what does this mean? But this one I liked. Your family is broken, but you're going to fix the world. I just, I thought that was cute and I liked it. Did you get that? Yeah, but is it, are you agree with it? No, he's facetious. It's, it's, it's sarcasm. Your God. family is broken, but you're going to fix the world. Okay. You know, it's the clean your bed uh, well, idea. I don't, you don't think it's inspirational? It's meant for someone who's <laughs> fucked up. This is my job. I could see it being inspirational or Sorry, facetious. It's absolutely facetious. Okay. It's 100% facetious, <laughs> which is funny because when you put things into text, this always happens. So somebody yeah. out there is going like, I knew it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, what if it's like, yeah, my dad's abusive and this and that, but I don't have to worry about them. I can change the world, blah, blah, blah. That's what no, I thought you were No, what saying. it is is you're responsible for the position of your family and i think he's speaking to older people he's not speaking to 15 year olds or yeah, anything saying like if that your kid hates you and yes. has a drug problem and you got problems with your wife and you've been divorced twice or you know but but you're ready to tell you know how the economy the is going to work yeah um got it you're probably actually not ready for that you've got to start at square one understand how people operate this is naval's version of if you have a dirty room clean your room before you try to change exactly. the world exactly jordan peterson poor guy uh, after his depression and all that, he started live streaming and he had a dirty room and people were just, he has a direct quote where he's like, if your own room isn't clean, who are you to give advice to the world? Oh, no. And so people just put, who are you to give advice to the world if your room isn't clean? Yeah. And then a picture of his live stream with yeah. a filthy room. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, he's having a, he's having a roughie. He's having, oh, no. he's having a rough time. Post. <laughs> all right, let's Benzos. do, uh, let's do questions. That's such a bummer. First one is great conversation, Charlie and Ben. I have a degree in science and spent four years studying how the atmosphere works, mostly with mathematics and physics, something that works in any world. Pythagorean theorem, for example. Uh, Scientists that are making discoveries and publishing them are often confirming a null hypothesis and most often are conservative in their outcomes, sometimes wrongfully so. Science changes slowly using the scientific method that gets done over and over to verify results by different organizations. At what point do you trust the scientists that went through the scientific method to come out with a result that has been repeated by other scientists? At what point do I trust? So there's there's layers of it. So it's um, if I like went to an institute and mm-hmm. spoke with scientists and like didn't even read the papers, but they like showed me it and I got to know them a little bit as a person, it would be higher. But what I'm saying is even that is being filtered through a news organization. Like I never get like this is as close as I've come as this question that was written in to knowing someone in that type of a position. So there's there's levels of um, certainty drop off. And one of the biggest ones is occurring at the level of reporting. Yeah. Not necessarily at the level of study. Yeah. Because the thing is, you could find you can imagine a world where two different websites publish two different studies Mm -hmm. that contradict each other because science is still figuring it out. And then whichever you read, if you're not a scientist and you're not critical, is what you're going to believe 100% because you believe scientists are right, even though there's another article that says the exact opposite thing. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem. It's it's trying when you're not a scientist trying to figure out how to you understand what science is has proven is the is the hard part yes and so what you said most of these are null hypotheses well 
from my perspective, and I, I be, I'll believe you, all of the science I hear about is groundbreaking and new because they don't tell me about any of those scientists who toil away uh, doing re-experimenting to confirm existing things or to advance it forward one iota. I only hear about the power pose breakthrough, which winds up to be bullshit because mm -hmm. my science is being filtered through Time Magazine or you know whatever social media headline or studies show that somebody states that in a conversation. Yeah, it's on, it's on uh, Huffington Post, sure. which has a lot of authority despite the fact that mm -hmm. All the various bloggers on Huffington Post are just random people that exactly. are struggling to make it. Exactly. So what I would say is that um, not all the people. I think that there are problems in the scientific process, and we discuss some of them with replicability and certain things. And you're saying actually that's not the case, and I believe that's often not the case. But uh, so that's one level of, well, of uncertainty. It There's, also depends on the science. Social sciences have struck. I I'll try to say this in a way that's accurate. The social science breakthroughs that I have seen get coverage, a lot of them have struggled to be replicated, mm -hmm. which might not be the case in chemistry. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But power poses, the fact that you're more attractive standing on a bridge because <laughs> the person's heartbeat is yeah, elevated, yeah, yeah. all these pop science psychology studies, that's stuff that I often see struggles to get replicated when I find myself talking to a Yale PhD, which yep. is very rare. And that's when I realize that the stuff has not been replicated. And then, of course, the the scientist that I, uh, I'm not saying that it's true, but like, because truth and effectiveness are subtly different. But the electrician who comes to my house that there's a problem and he's got to switch this and, and then he explains it's because X, Y, Z. And then the lights turn on. That's that's also, I find, credible. Like when science works, when Elon Musk is able to shoot a rocket into the sky and him and his team are able to re-land it, I go... Somebody on your team is very good at physics and combustion engineering, and like, I'll, they they have a higher degree of credibility with me. Um, but all this to say, if it, if it sounded like I was doubting scientists, I am a little, but I'm mostly doubting doubting the reporting mechanism mm -hmm. and the profit motive that is baked into sensationalizing what the results of a study actually show. I think your biggest criticism is how confident people who aren't scientists yes. are in the science that they have consumed mm -hmm. from online articles. Yep. And so this person is an atmospheric scientist, they said? Uh, yep. Yep. So if this person has um, strong opinions about climate change, I would go, I think you might be very entitled to, to, to those beliefs. Like you obviously don't have the whole breadth of every science that has contributed to that understanding, but you've got several years of deep understanding into one mm -hmm. of them. That I find that, interesting and credible and were you my very good friend i would begin to adopt your beliefs with a degree of separation recognizing that i'm trusting mm -hmm. in my friend's intelligence research and all that kind of stuff um i just don't have that in my life i don't have these like personal scientists yeah. that i that i have direct access to yeah, yeah no but the big gripe is with the non-scientists that don't understand how these things are verified they mm -hmm. have no method of proving it but are uh willing to bet their life on Certain. it. Certain. And they would say it's because 97% of scientists say. And but I they go, don't know where. They don't know where scientists, that came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> they can't point you to the 97 and the three. Did you get a vote? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so that's, that's the, those are the people that, and we're not saying you're wrong. We're just yeah. saying. Uh, that's a poor method. Take your certainty down. Yeah, that's a poor method of, of understanding the world. Yeah. Uh, accurately. So. 
Next, got a question related to the triggers discussion. I have a 28-year-old brother who's very autistic who still lives at home because he's because while he's smart and hardworking, he has struggled to make friends, get a job, or pick a direction in life and pursue it through hardships or discouragement. Lately, through uh, COVID lockdowns, he's become even more interpersonally sensitive, being rude at anyone who even suggests watching TV shows he doesn't like. Think like a, a grumpy grandpa vibe. Okay. I feel like if he had more of your mentalities and perhaps did cognitive behavioral therapy, he'd feel and do so much better in life. Any advice for changing his mindset and or oversensitivity? Hmm. So I'm not an expert on this yeah. at all. But I will tell you one thing that I watched, which is shouldn't inform this, but I'm going to answer it anyway, was Love on the Spectrum. Did you watch it? Love on the Spectrum is a Netflix uh, documentary following of people who are autistic and Asperger's mm. who are dating. And one of, there, there are very varying degrees of like, independent functioning or yeah, not that's why it's a spectrum and so one of them is very autistic he doesn't socialize doesn't interact very well um i think his name is i want to say warren but i could be wrong he's an asian guy who like loves anime and he comes out and sees episode three or four or something but what i found most interesting is he struggled 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 but when he wanted to date he tried so hard yeah and he didn't become don juan but he all of a sudden, like every little thing that had been said, like ask about hobbies, ask about this, like wait, open the door for her, like sh stuff that he wasn't doing in practice, he got, he did it on the date. Yeah. And I was like, that, he, this, this guy's motivated. So I don't know what's gonna do it for the, your autistic, fa or autistic family member, mm. but I suspect that is what is missing is motivation, um, or at least one of the ingredients that would help because with motivation, I saw that happen and I see it happen with people who aren't autistic that they can make serious, serious leaps. Yeah, I saw it with someone who has Asperger's. Yeah. They the same thing. They wanted to start dating. They hadn't yep. had much dating experience and all of a sudden they were attacking it very yeah. rationally with a spreadsheet of the woman <laughs> yeah. they met. And, yeah. you know, they're trying to follow all the instructions and sometimes it's misinformed because they're learning from movies or yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, I, personally, I don't feel like I know the answer. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have... I've coached people, but I've never coached someone with autism and I've never had autism. Mm -hmm. So I would be out of my depth to touch on that. Sure. The the only, and I am as well, the only thing I would ask is, uh, is there a motivating force that this person is genuinely interested in? And could you find that out? And could you tie uh, more social behavior to getting that particular outcome? Mm. Like if they wanted to date or if they wanted to, I don't, have I don't friends. know what it is. Yeah. Have friends or sometimes people don't though is what I've heard from people yeah. with autistic kids. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, my kid has no friends and I was worried about that at first, but mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to bother them and they have autism. So who am I to say they need to follow all the same rules as yeah, other yeah. people? So, sure. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Next is I come from Spotify. I've been listening for a while and absolutely love the podcast. Nice. I've been criticized a lot of times for giving honest opinions without being asked. And that's been on my mind a lot. Should I keep on giving my opinion willingly? Because after all, it's just my opinion, meaning that the people around me should just calm down and accept it. Interesting. I did once hear a quote that I liked. Yeah, it's not 100% true, but it's uh, unsolicited advice is emotional abuse. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the relationship that yeah. you have. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that's true 100% <laughs> yeah, yeah. of the time, but it, I, it made me stop telling everyone how to live their life. You know what I mean? Yes. So I don't know exactly what this opinion is on things. And so not knowing it, there are times when you should, without permission, state your unsolicited opinion. Mm -hmm. um, when someone is being a dick to a waiter in front of you and the mm -hmm. waiter walks away, you should be like, 
hey, don't do that. Mm -hmm. That's not cool. <laughs> um, there are other times when you should ask permission and often people will say yes. Be like, oh man, I kind of disagree. I don't know if mm -hmm. you want to hear it though. And people, you know, their curiosity yeah, often yeah. gets stoked. There's also times where you're like me and you think marriage is kind of a crazy thing and yeah, your yeah. friend gets engaged and that's not the time to be yeah, like, not the time. Hey, you know what's a bad <laughs> idea? That. Yeah. Um, so I, there's certainly, it depends on the opinion. It depends on the person. I think also you can say things that you know are unpopular opinions or that you know the person's not going to like, but you can couch it in a way that it's way more palatable. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing is I would, I wouldn't, I would not say the mindset is, yes, share your honest opinion and tell everyone to suck it up. What I would say is if you want to keep sharing the opinion that is making people angry and it's hurting your relationships to the extent that you want to keep sharing that opinion and stop hurting your relationships, presentation. Yeah. And so things that'll help asking questions. So your first instinct to say, oh, no, that's wrong. You go, interesting. Why do you think that? Mm -hmm. What would you do X, Y, and Z? Would you? And you go, okay. And then, and then as you think it through, oftentimes people say, well, what do you think? Then it's no longer unsolicited. So mm -hmm. it's kind of turning your unsolicited opinions into solicited opinions through questioning, presentation, uh, and saying, do you want to hear this? Yeah. And even if they don't ask you your opinion, you can often guide the conversation just through the Socratic method, mm -hmm. which is by asking question after question to mm -hmm. get the conversation to the point where they see why they're wrong mm -hmm. if it's something that you disagree about like they make the discovery themselves as to why what they're saying doesn't make sense which not, is honestly yeah. one of the most persuasive things you can do anyway instead of saying you're wrong here's what you should think you just guide them to where what they're saying doesn't hold up for whatever reason another th one one last thing that will help is to separate the person from the argument in your speech mm -hmm. so yep. when they say something that you disagree with you go oh my god that's ridiculous that's so stupid you know what i mean and like what that what that comes back to is you're ridiculous and you're stupid versus like oh my god that's fascinating i've been looking for someone who thinks this i want to talk to you about it like why do you think that mm -hmm. and and you're you're starting to build a separation between the idea and the individual and they go that's interesting cuz i think but now it's just two thoughts that are right. in disagreement not two people that are one of whom is inadequate cool Next is, would your charisma course be applicable for someone who already has fairly high charisma? I work in sales and make friends easily, but I would like to up my game if I can. Thoughts? It was designed for that. Um, when we made it, we made it for our friends who were solidly charismatic and yeah. wanted to be consistent. Captain of the football team, yeah. CEO of a multi-million dollar business. Mm -hmm. You know, those were the guys that helped us in terms of informing some of the content. Yeah. And the big thing with them is like, I want it consistently. I want it to be able to turn on when I need it. Um, yeah, that was what we built the course around was, how do you have it when you need it? Yeah, a lot, <laughs> funny enough, a lot of people, a lot of people are charismatic some of the time. Yeah. You know, it can be even when they're just with a, a close friend or just with one family member, all of a sudden they're funnier than they normally are. They're more confident than they normally are. And so the question was, how do we take whatever this person's best is and get them to achieve it consistently when they want it mm -hmm. in the situations that they tend to lose it mm -hmm. the most. Yep. So yeah, that's what a lot of the course is designed around. It's kind of tapping into that state where you are at your best, but doing it when you need it. Mm -hmm. And it's got the money back guarantee. So if you're interested, 
Oh yeah, that's the thing. You just join, you just join, <laughs> take it, see if it improves your life, and if not, just get a refund. Holla, yeah, nice. Uh, what are your thoughts on the egocentric predicament? The notion that you are unable to get outside your own mind because all that the knower can know will be what is present to your own mind and limited to your senses. Do you think Elon Musk's Neuralink could be a potential solution for people that suffer from paranoia due to this obsession? Uh, well, so first question, I do think that it's disruptable through other means. And people have said that they get, I've never had this, but that they inhabit other bodies and other consciousnesses through psychedelics. Don't know if it's true. Yeah. Um, also deep meditation right you can go, deep to, meditation. You can go to a silent retreat and after day five of your 16 hour meditative day yeah. you find that you for a second your ego Floating goes away above. and you're yeah, gone yeah. and you're yeah. you're not an, another person but you're everything yes yes so i do think it's it's uh surmountable through breath work psychedelics meditation um inquiry and then Neuralink, yeah, man. I mean, it's there's be amazing if it's it works. so freaking knows. Uh, the other thing is getting outside of your own mind. Like maybe you won't get outside of your own mind, but maybe you'll just live side by side with someone else's mind or a bunch of other people's minds for a period of time mm -hmm. or the whole time. Um, I, mean, I mean, the idea is that eventually you become one mind. Yeah. Right. That's the singularity. Yeah. So the, there's a there is a futurist who says once everyone has a Neuralink, you start to ping thoughts back and forth instantaneously they start to occur at the same time now you're just neurons occurring in a big neural network so mm -hmm. now there is no you there just yeah. is the Neuralink. yes so you the analogy is that you said is the world becomes the brain like the whole thing well whoever's in the whoever's not in the Neuralink yeah, is gonna yeah. be out of luck sure and then and you're just one one data point in there i wonder if the wars will become in, like capturing people and putting them in the Neuralink. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say that 7 billion people, 1 billion are in the Neuralink. Are they going to start just kidnapping and Neuralinking everyone until it's 7 billion? Doesn't seem necessary. Why? The more neurons, the faster you think? Uh, so, well, I'll slow down and go back, which is if you look at single-celled and multi-celled organisms had it followed a similar thing, like single-celled organisms persisted. Now, the multi-celled organisms just did way bigger things yeah, yeah. than the single-celled organisms, but... There's trillions, if not quadrillions, of single-celled organisms That's still fair. living out there. Uh, they're just not flying an airplane. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying <laughs> like, you could be a you could be a single-minded human who has a farm and just lives on your farm. Oh, and you don't and realize that we're out there in the edges no, do, of space. Well, you do realize, but you just don't care. You're like, oh, this is my farm. I'm not. I'm opting not to get a Neuralink. You have as much insight into the hive brain as a single-celled organism does into politics. Like you. Yeah, yeah, they're bigger than me, but you don't get it. Got you it. have no, there's no way that your brain can conceive of the size and the scope of that. How many cells are in the human body? Uh, I don't know, but it's a, a many. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think that might be too big a gap because we're talking about one cell versus one billion cells. Oh, no, but you don't need to Neuralink. By the way, you can Neuralink animals. You can Neuralink, like you get, you could set it up to data points that are just rocks you know the rock isn't going to send you necessarily any feelings but it's going to its location will be sent to you like and so you have there's i'm sure in your brain there's an analogy for different kinds of cells yeah. some of which have someone who understands how neural works hates that analogy because oh I'm, i might be totally <laughs> i might be totally fucking it up um and i don't know exactly what Neuralink is intended to do but we kind of have the same thing already with we talked about this twitter twitter is not instantaneous it it doesn't occur as at the speed of thought and the bigger issue is the well, upload uh the biggest issue is it doesn't give you empathy a neuralink will give you when you're tweeting back and forth mm -hmm. and you're you hate the person mm -hmm. 
you can't, you're not empathizing with the person. You're two single-celled organisms just yelling at each other quickly. Yes. So they're actually, it's actually completely <laughs> different, I think, because in the, in the Neuralink, you won't be firing off hateful comments back and forth. You'll be living in each other's brains. And all of a sudden, I think that is going to make the... You could. This is the thing. If you, if you set your Neuralink up such that it has one app, and that app is Twitter, and Twitter just bangs you, you can still retain that separate self. Mm -hmm. Or you could like, hey, I want to feel people's feelings as well. Like, tap into my hippocampus and amygdala and i want their memories or i don't know if all this is going to be possible but sure yeah but yeah i think that's the big that potential is the big difference between the Neuralink and the twitter to me mm -hmm. it's not it's not about two entities sharing information instantly about two, about two entities it. becoming one mind mm. that shares all of their thoughts feelings neural capacity Crazy. That's that's where the real potential comes from. It's not the ability to tweet faster. It's it's the singularity part that goes well for a while. Being a, being able, Elon's well, I don't know what his secret motive is, but what he says is we have a real input problem. Like I could show you an image on my phone and you can instantly grasp it. But output to, problem? No, that's uh, output. Sorry, output. Yeah. Well, well, I guess it depends on. I don't know whether he calls it input or output because I'm thinking like I'm inputting into my phone. No, no, that's an output. That's an output. Yeah. Okay. So you can take in information much faster than you can put it out share information sure. back speech is slower than thinking the sight mm -hmm. yeah and uh neuralink will solve that mm -hmm. no more typing uh you know look over here like and it's like which star like that star like you know like no this is that yeah, one yeah. um so that'll be interesting i'm not gonna be on I'm the not cutting edge of that. that no fucking nope. way i'll let that go for about 50 years not the early because who knows i probably won't even do it honestly I'll, I'll probably be dead before it's actually as ubiquitous as who knows phone. man it's this shit happens fast also i think what's instructive is the evolution of single-celled and multi-celled organisms and i want to look at like what happens when a single-celled organism is flirting with becoming a multi-celled organism do they like join together and then one sometimes just goes ah fuck this and eats the other <laughs> you know yeah, like yeah. um i don't like, how often does that go wrong? Mm. Uh, I suspect sometimes, mm. so, you know, before they cooperate. And even then, the other thing, whoop, we got someone here? Is that just a package? I don't know. It's probably a package. Um, I forget what I was going to say, but we go to the next question. All right, cool. That's it. It's a Patreon. Dope. Thank you, guys. So, Patreon announcements. Um, one, you're awesome. You guys have kept this all going. We appreciate you tremendously. We're still doing every question. It's becoming a lot. <laughs> yeah. It is legitimately sometimes longer than the podcast. I don't think it's going to be this week, but there's been times where it's been ridiculous. So we're probably going to eventually cap it at an hour or somewhere thereabouts. Uh, but if you effectively want a different podcast <laughs> or twice as much, join Patreon. You get access to that and we upload it. Um, like a day or two after the the main podcast goes early up. the next week. So, yes, like yes. Monday, Tuesday. So you get effectively two podcasts, one which is just steered by patron questions. Yep. And you get a community to talk about it. And with. a community on Discord. Hooray. Very active. Um, All right. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you later. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.